Thank you, ladies. That, uh, that chorus, I come broken. And I come wounded, broken to be mended, to be wounded, uh, come wounded to be healed, come desperate. That's not just a picture of coming to Christ in our salvation. Yes, it is that picture for salvation, but it's, it's a prayer that could be prayed every morning, every day, every evening. A coming before Christ, even though it tells us we can come boldly before the throne of God, uh, yet uh, we ought to come needing Jesus Christ. I pray that you're here desiring to hear from the Lord this morning. Uh, and I know my voice is, is kind of gone, so this won't be a good test of the good microphone test because my, my voice is, is uh, not too good this morning. But I pray that God's Word will get through to us this morning. He desires to, uh, for us to hear Him this morning. I would like you to turn to Psalm 42, Psalm 42. Psalm 42, and I don't know if you can all see, but there's a picture here, is a picture of the message that I want to preach this morning. It's a picture of a, of a chair. So if you can't see, that's what's sitting over here, is, a, is just a chair. And this is legit. This, this is a non-alcoholic beverage. <laughs> Psalm 42. In this psalm, we're going to see that people get lonely. And, and in this age, in just this past week, I've read so much uh, coming from all different things about the way people feel and how they feel lonely in today's society. In a society where everybody knows everything about everybody else on Facebook, we are still a lonely people. In fact, one of the problems they're finding out with all of the technology that we have, that it leaves people lonely. They read about everybody else, and they write about themselves, and they, they, reveal, they take selfies and all of the great times, and yet at the end of the day, they feel lonely because they have missed the connections that have been so important to us in our lives and are important for us. Uh, just read here uh, in a news report, it says, this is writing about that woman infatuated by Columbine shooting found dead of self-inflicted gunshot wound. And you all heard that in the news. And then one of the reports indicate that she described herself as the face of loneliness and misery. I've got a feeling that she's not the only face of loneliness and misery. 
And if I said, okay, everybody close your eyes and those that are feel lonely or maybe felt lonely this past week to raise your hands, there'd be a lot of hands go up because we feel lonely. I read an article, and I might read some of it next week, but and the title of it was The Lone Evangelist which, with uh, Voice of the Martyrs magazine. And it tells about this Abdul who grew up uh, uh, under Islam's Sharia law, and uh, he became a Christian because he was so lonely. Then he got kicked out of his family, a family house, and uh, he, he, uh, every night... He would come back. He's a teenager. Every night after the family went to bed, he would crawl up on his family's roof and uh, sleep up there. And for a while, he didn't, didn't have any blankets. He was able to find some uh, someplace. And, but for six or seven years, that's the way he lived. He couldn't get a job or couldn't go to school because he was a Christian. And uh, his family rejected him. He he had no one else. He was lonely. Famous people get lonely. Ran across this article. Uh, people who are afraid of loneliness. Now, I don't know who these are necessarily. Actress Anne Hathaway confessed, loneliness is my least favorite thing about life. The thing that I'm most worried about is just being alone without anybody to care for or someone who will care for me. Josh Whedon, a Hollywood film director, says loneliness is about the scariest thing I know. Loneliness. People are lonely because, and they move from job to job, from marriage to marriage, to state to state, and they miss out on connections that can keep you from being lonely, but the challenge this morning is to find, to find your friendships in the right places. Psalm 142, I cried unto the Lord with my voice, with my voice unto the Lord did I make my supplication. I poured out my complaint before him, I showed before him my trouble. When my spirit was overwhelmed within me. Have you ever been there? When my spirit was overwhelmed within me. I, lot, I'm a, I run across people whose spirits are overwhelmed within them all of the time. And many times it's after a, a couple has been married for, for uh, hundreds of years. Well, you know, lots and lots of years. And then one of them passes away and they're overwhelmed with loneliness. When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, you knew my path. You understood. In the way wherein I walked, have they privately laid a snare for me. You, were, you knew that they were trying to trap me. I looked on my right hand and beheld, but there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. How often have you been there? No man cares for my soul. Nobody cares anymore. And it's not just outside these walls. 
And I realize that. I cried unto thee, O Lord. I said, Thou art my refuge and my portion in the land of the living. Attend unto my cry, for I am brought very low. I'm discouraged. I'm lonely. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are stronger than I. Bring my soul out of prison. And maybe that's where you feel you're at today. In a prison, wrapped up in little bars, and you're all by yourself. I may, that I may bring me out of this prison so that I can praise your name. The righteous shall compass me about. This is important. The righteous need to compass, to gather around me. For thou shalt deal bountifully with me. You're, you are there. You might be there this morning. And I pray that even though this morning my message uh, the, the results or the remedy for loneliness won't be till next week. Um, this is the recognizing the loneliness today. And you might recognize that this morning. Let's pray. Lord, as we look at your word and consider the truths that you lay before each one of us, might we seek Seek the friendship in the right places that we might cry out with David, Oh God, deliver me. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Uh, if, uh, if I were to ask you, when was one time you were really, really lonely, you might be able to think of a time. I remember a time when I was really, really lonely. And I, I don't know why this sticks out to me, but it was a time, it was before Cindy and I got married. Uh, we were engaged, but Cindy was uh, living in the cities. And I was down at Pillsbury Baptist Bible College. And I remember one night, I sat down with my sister. She's a year younger than me, Judy. And, and I sat down out in the, the square of Pillsbury on this cement bench. And I remember telling her, I just feel so lonely. So lonely. Uh, here, uh, I had believers all around me. I had professors that I was learning the Bible from. I had some of my family members there, lots of friends there, and I felt so lonely. And maybe that's where you're at. Um, I want you to realize that Jesus understands our loneliness. He does. How can I say that? You know, there are times when, you know, guys, you never want to say to your wife before she delivers a baby, I know what you're going through. <laughs> uh, because I don't know what they're going through. Or if I say, oh man, this feels, this feels as bad as giving birth. <laughs> don't say that. <laughs> uh, because you don't know. I don't know what that feels like. And, but I can assure you that Jesus understands your loneliness. Realize that. Not just because he knows all things. And yes, he does know all things. But that's not why he, re he, he understands our loneliness. Uh, 
He understands our loneliness because he was lonely when he was on this earth. Lonelier than I ever realized before I started this study. I, I didn't realize the things that were up, he was up against on this earth uh, and, and that he was the loneliest person to ever live on this earth. And there are a lot of lonely, 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 lonely people, and some of us uh, might be in that category, but not as lonely as Jesus was when he walked here. He experienced the greatest of loneliness. Now, there were the obvious times, and we've come through the, uh, these times in this season of Easter and kind of it was, uh, got my, me thinking about this and prompting some study on this. The obvious times, the Garden of Gethsemane. You know, he gathered, he had men with him, even that uh, day, night before his arrest, he had his apostles with him, and they celebrated the Passover meal, and then they celebrated the Last Supper although his apostles didn't know what was going on. They didn't catch it. And so he took him to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. And he left the, most of the disciples in one place and Terry here, and he went a little further, and he took with him his, the inner circle, Peter, James, and John. And, uh, and then he said, you pray, you pray here for me. I'm just going to go just a little ways and have a talk with my father. And he begins to pray, and he realizes that he's all alone. His inner circle has fallen asleep. And he's about to experience the most traumatic time of any person's life. Going to the cross, which was bad enough, but other people went and died on the cross. It was worse than that. He would become sin for us. He would take upon himself the sin of the world. And he was all alone. He didn't, have, he didn't even have Peter saying, no, Jesus, that's not, that's not going to happen. You know, Peter said that a few times. But nobody was there when he was kneeling in the garden. In fact, it was so heavy. And the loneliness was so great that it tells us, I think it is in Luke, it tells us that God sent an angel to minister unto him. If there was no human that was going to do it, I'll send a, a, an angel. You're my son, I realize. I know what you're going through, Jesus. And he sent an angel to minister unto him. And maybe you've been to the point where you just wish you had an angel that would come and put the, their hand on your shoulder and, and say, you're going to get through this. You're not alone. Jesus was alone in the garden. He was alone on the cross. This is the greatest of times of loneliness, I believe. When he's hanging there, he's got a lot of people around him. In fact, a thief on either side. His mom and his, his, uh, his son, I, I believe John, and, and a couple other Marys were there at the foot of the cross, uh, maybe Brabus, maybe some of these other people that really uh, knew what was going on, that Jesus was taking their place. They were there crying, but when he cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? The one he'd been with for all eternity past now has to 
cover him with blackness because he cannot be with sin. And Jesus is alone in that blackness. But what about the rest of his life? Have you thought about that? I believe the loneliest man in all of history. Loneliness is what we feel when we're isolated from others. When we're, it's just a chair. Nobody else there. You're all by yourself. And even maybe, you know, I've got my back to that chair. You feel rejected of men. Because that's what Jesus was. A man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. He was despised and rejected of men. And there have probably been some times when you feel like that. That you're despised and rejected of men. Disconnected. Alienated. From family, from friends. Uh, even though many are around you right here in this auditorium. You know, we, we have 250 or probably, probably close to 300 here, and yet you're, you might be sitting there, I'm all alone. All alone. Um, it doesn't really matter. I'm not saying that you don't have people around you. Have you ever started a, a trip, and men, you make some smart remark that, you shouldn't have made to your wife and all of a sudden you're all alone? <laughs> I mean, you're, you're in the car and you've got, you've got a thousand miles to drive and you're all alone. Uh, so you turn the radio on because it's pretty chilly and you turn the heat up because it's pretty chilly in, in the car while you go. You're all alone, despised and rejected from your spouse. Uh, That happens. Jesus experienced that. Uh, turn to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews 4, and, and you don't need to leave a mark in that psalm. But Hebrews chapter 4 encourages me. Verse 15. Well, I'm going to read 16 too, although we won't. Catch 16 right away. Hebrews 4, verse 15, the author wants us to know that we can be in a place where we're never alone. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmity. We do not have uh, an intercessor for us who can't be touched by our loneliness, that does not know about our loneliness. That's what he is saying here. But was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So we've got a Savior who understands because he was without sin. He went through all of this, yet he was without sin. So, What does that mean? It, it means that he led a, an impossible, difficult life. Do you think Jesus was ever homesick? Well, you know, he had Mary and Joseph. No, I'm not talking about that. But uh, ever homesick. Because when you, you get homesick when you feel alone, right? 
I had a terrible time with homesickness, especially in fourth grade. Uh, we had, with, with eight kids in our family, we had kids all around. And so there's something, you have a larger family, there's something when you're away from family, at least this is the way I experienced it. Fourth grade, going away to camp, junior camp, Bethel Baptist, a Bible camp up in the Bighorn Mountains, just out of Cody a ways there in Wyoming, and uh, get to go to camp. Yeah, 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 boy, that's going to be great. Can't wait, can't wait. Get to camp, and I am so homesick. Oh, I'm not sure for sure what I was homesick about, but I just felt homesick. Do you think Jesus was ever homesick? Absent from his father, being down here on earth, rejected by the earthly people. Now, Jesus still communed with his father, and and it tells us uh, many times in scriptures that he went away, he went apart, so he could talk to his father. I was homesick when I went to Pillsbury, 1,200 miles away from Montana, and wasn't going to get to go back home uh, Christmas Sometimes we were able to go back at Easter time. Homesick. Yes, we could call. In, in those days, we had one phone on the second floor of uh, Pillsbury Hall. One phone, and other people would use it. I didn't really know how to use the pay phone at all. And so we, we never got phone calls. We never called home. It isn't like today, you know, you reach in your pocket. Wherever you go, you're connected. You could call. But the, the being homesick. Now, in the olden days, we could call and hear a voice. That's the way Jesus could, was able to talk to his father. Not face to face. Now, like yesterday, you dial in Seth and Spain and, and you FaceTime him and you get to see Tanzan and you get to see Grant and, and uh, Seth and Crystal right there. But in Jesus' day, it was just, it's just not the same. It's not the same. And Jesus, I'm sure, was homesick for home. You know, it just wasn't the same. Jesus had to endure living in a world that was under the control of the wicked one. First John chapter 5, the wicked one. So the world was controlled by him. Yes, Jesus had authority over the wicked one. And he showed it and he proved it many times. But the world in general was under control of the wicked one. He would have experienced homesickness from the presence of his father greater than I could ever experience that in when I was little, when I was older, because he had been with his father from eternity past. So he got homesick. What about uh, aloneness? In this world, that's different than homesickness, but aloneness. Only one on earth without sin. That's what it tells us, yet without sin, Hebrews 4. Like us, but without sin. What did it mean? It meant daily torment. Now, we don't have time to look at Second Peter chapter 2, but it's talking about Lot and how Lot felt when he lived in Sodom and he moved there on his own accord, and he could have moved out of Sodom any time he wanted, I suppose. But uh, 
how did he feel living in the city of Sodom? It says he was vexed daily. His spirit was vexed daily. Why? Because he, he was a believer in a holy God and the rest of the people around him were not believers and he was vexed daily. Well, that's... Uh, and he was a sinner. Yet it was, it was so different being around believers than being around unbelievers. It is different. It vexes your soul. When I was going to Central Seminary there in Minneapolis, I spent the morning, seven till noon, in classes there and, and in chapel time and uh, just learning God's Word and, and just uh, singing in the chapel time with other men that loved the Lord. And then from two in the afternoon until 10 o'clock at night, I was a welder at Arctic Enterprise. So once I'm experiencing the the glories of God, and then in the afternoon, I'm experiencing the depravity of man. And it vexed my soul. And I felt alone, all by myself. Uh, and eventually, you know, they called me Reverend, and that was fine. And uh, eventually was able to lead Phil Fisher to the Lord, and, and they come up in the summers and spend time with us and come to church here uh, a Sunday during the summer time and so there were two of us and then we had a Bible study and some of them would come and sit in and find out what we were what we were up to but aloneness in this world think of Jesus he was alone in uh, in this world the only one without sin uh, and he would sense the sinfulness of man because he had a very sensitive spirits. Jesus would. Uh, Cindy has a very high uh, sense of smell, which is a bad thing, let me tell you. It is a bad, bad thing, and we're going to get it fixed if we can some way, get that seared so she can't smell so well, but uh, does it bother me to go into a pig pen? I grew up there in Montana, mucking out stalls and cleaning pig pens and, you know, nothing to it because I couldn't smell anything. Didn't bother me. But can you imagine if she had to go in and do that or if she had to, to park at the house and get out and smell what the smells are that on a ranch, uh, it would be very sensitive to her, be very difficult. Jesus is sinless. And yet he, he stands in a world filled with sin. We have the benefit, and this kind of goes along with the remedy for, for uh, loneliness. We have the benefit of rubbing shoulders with each other if we take it here at First Baptist Church. If we come and fellowship with one another, with other believers... We hold each other accountable. We have the benefit to do that. Where uh, Jesus really had no one when he came. Uh, I went to Pensacola a Christian School down in, in Pensacola, Florida. And they flew me down there and they flew me back. On the way back, they, they cut it short. And I, I told you how that I missed my one flight because we were waiting out on the runway, and I had to go and, and schedule uh, a standby. And so I went to the 
desk, and there were two ladies there helping people, and I got there hoping I could get on a, a reasonable flight, and here was a, you know, a, a black man standing at the, the counter next to me, and he was explaining to the lady that was helping him, uh, he said, uh, you know, I, I can't sit in a window seat. You, you have me in a window seat, I can't sit in a window seat. He said, I am a big man, I am 6'10". You know, I walked up there and, whoa, he is a big man. He said, when I scoot in to that window seat, I'm going to spend the whole flight with my neck cranked because I, I, I can't hold it straight. And... Uh, the lady said, well, can you handle the emergency door? And he said, of course I can. I'm a Christian. I, I was wondering where this was going. No, it was, uh, well, what he was going, you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But well, that's kind of taking it out of context. But that's where he's, of course I can. I'm a Christian. And the lady across said, well, I'm a Christian too. And I was standing there next to him. He looked at me. I said, I'm a Christian too. <laughs> Not just because he was big, but, you know, <laughs> whatever you say, you know. Uh, and then he says to the lady across the desk, are you, uh, are, are you a Holy Ghost Christian? Or are you a Baptist Christian? <laughs> I, I, I didn't understand that one. But she responded, uh, I'm a non-denominational Christian. And I looked at him and said, I'm a Baptist Christian. And he said, well, I'm a Baptist musician. I said, I'm a Baptist preacher. And it was hugs all around. <laughs> Why? Because we're part of the same family. Was I lonely there? No, not there, because we, we speak the same language. And it was, uh, it was a delight but that wasn't the case for Jesus. And it might not be the case for you. Every morning I have the opportunity to sit with teachers and hear them give their devotional times. And then we pray, quote a verse. But you guys don't all have that. And you might feel alone. Think of Jesus as a boy. Do you, do you remember what it was like to not have friends as a boy or a girl? Uh, and maybe you always had friends. If you had a large family, you always have somebody there as a friend. And I remember my first day at, in Wyoming, going into first grade, moved there, didn't know anybody, hadn't really met anybody at church yet, and out on the playground just hoping that I could have a friend. Somebody be my friend. And two boys walked up to me. I knew they were, they were bigger so they wouldn't be in my class, but they walked up to me, and one of them punched me in the stomach, and I thought, this isn't going to be easy. I, I, don't, I hate this town. I don't want to live here because I have no friends. Think of Jesus. Here, uh, he's not going to have friends. How, is, how easy would it be to be a friend to Jesus? He had no sin nature. 
while all the other boys did. He had a divine nature. No other boy had it. He would have seemed very strange to the rest of the kids. He did seem strange. Um, holiness doesn't, doesn't attract friends. Do you realize that by now? Holiness doesn't attract friends. They'll call you a Bible thumper. They'll call you a weirdo. They'll call you a hate monger, even though you love them more than maybe anybody else, because you want to see them come to glory. And so you will hear those things. But light doesn't attract darkness. Jesus is the light of the world. His kids are not going to surround him. They're going to run from him. 35 years ago or so, I took a group of teens to, to Chattanooga, Tennessee. And on the way, we stopped in Nashville to, to stay overnight in the church. And the pastor opened the door leading down these steps into the church basement and said, you, you guys can all lay out there. We've got classrooms there. Uh, lay, you can lay your bags out there. But you need to go down the stairs. And there in that first room... You have to walk out in the middle of the room, you swing your hand, and you will, you'll catch a string, pull that string, and the light will come on. And so that's what I did. And the kids are kind of, they've got their bags and stuff, and we're all down, lining up on the stairs, waiting for me to go in there, find the string, the light, and turn it on, and then they can come on in. As I'm going through that room, it was just a crunch, crunch, crunch. And I thought, crackers or something on the floor, I finally... Uh, got the light. When I turned it on, the cockroaches scattered, except for the ones that I crunched. And here were my feet print of cockroaches. Because when the light comes on, the cockroaches scatter. Jesus is the light of the world. Can you imagine how many friends he had in school? Because he wouldn't lie, he wouldn't cheat, he wouldn't steal, he wouldn't make fun. I just imagine he did not have any friends. He probably had a lot of bloody noses because he wouldn't strike back. He was despised and rejected of men. But he didn't just come to remove our loneliness. He came to remove our sin. And thank you, Lord. He came to die on the cross experience what I never want to experience so that I wouldn't have to experience that. Despised by men. And he came to end all loneliness. He knows what it's like. He understands it. He can wrap his arms around you and he can tell you that he completely understands your loneliness, completely. He can sympathize with you where I probably never could, but he can. He came to bear our sin that's been alienating us from God. In my prayer this morning, in your loneliness, that you wouldn't allow your sin to alienate you from a holy God, but will bring your sin to Jesus Christ. Now that's for salvation. Most important decision you can make. But I say that as well for those of us that are believers, that there are times when we pull away, we alienate ourselves. We're all alone because we won't go to God. We won't talk to Him. 
He provides us with help, and that's what we'll look at next week. But we become the eyes and ears and arms of Jesus while we're here. So we go to someone that could be experienced loneliness, and we encourage them. Now, I'm not sure where, where Bobby Blake wound up. Okay, good. Uh, we have a number of people in our church that go for tests and surgeries and all things that are happening. I know, but this, the, Bobby, I know, is going for surgery tomorrow down at Mayo. So they leave this afternoon, her, get prepared for her surgery. And uh, all the rest of you that are having surgery, you're sweating right now because you're thinking, Pastor Dave's going to come and pray for me and embarrass me. But I, I got permission. So Bobby's going to have surgery at Mayo. She's not going to be all alone. She has her husband, she has God, and she has us. And so tomorrow she will not be alone when she is put under. And so as a church family, we're praying for her and with her. Now, let's pray. Father, you know the feelings that Bobby's gone through when she realized that she had cancer and surgery would be uh, necessary, but she's not alone. And we are here being your ears and eyes and, and hands to surround her and encourage her through this time. We pray that you might give the surgeons good rest tonight and harmony in their homes so that when they perform this surgery on Bobby that it might be the best that it could possibly be. Might she realize, might she remember her church family here. Do your best in this situation, Lord, for Bobby, please. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.